the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thank you for being with us. Eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock as we get started. On this Wednesday, the 27th morning of the 7th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Got a couple of good guests coming up for you this morning. Peter Burfiend is a writer for The Federalist. He's also an author. And he has written a piece that brings me a little bit of hope. And I want to share it with you with him at 935. Wokeism is collapsing on itself. From his pen or his keyboard, rather, to God's ears. I hope that is exactly the case. Or God's eyes, I guess it would be, since he wrote it and didn't say it. But we'll say it, and we'll talk about it out loud uh, with Peter coming up at 935. Is wokeism collapsing on itself? Is it already digging its own grave? Do we have a reason to be hopeful that we can indeed stop this wokest? D-E-I-C-R-T-S-E-L-C... Um, uh, S-E, all of these acronyms, you know what all those mean, I assume. Do we have a hope of stopping it and restoring and returning our culture and our civilization and our country and our families to sanity? Is there a chance? Or are we doomed 
for a very, very long time, a period of time to come. We're going to talk about it with Peter Murphy, and he seems to be optimistic, and that's a good thing. I'll share that with you, and he will as well. Then at 11.10, we'll talk to our good friend Neil McCabe. Neil McCabe, of course, is the uh, reporter extraordinaire for the Ohio Star, who is also our weekly Wednesday commentator covering all things Ohio, Ohio politics, Ohio State House, and more. So Neil McCabe at 11.10. So Peter Burfin coming up here in a half an hour, Neil McCabe, at the top of hour number three. That's a lot of time in between before and after those interviews for you to be heard. So uh, get that dialing number ready, like I told you before. Put it in your speed dial. Put me as one of your favorites if you've got a smartphone, an iPhone, or a uh, or, or whatever kind of phone that you have, and put it up as the favorite. Just put my little face there if you want, or if you don't want to be repulsed, put the little WHK there, something like that, so that you can just go tap, and that calls Bob. 216-901-0945 is the number to do that, too. And then 888 is a backup. You can put both of them on there. Give me two spots. I've got nine favorites. Let me see. Hold on. Let me pull up my phone here for a second. Yes, I am a victim of the uh, fact that we only have um, uh, we only have two choices, essentially, in, in phones. Uh, we have iPhones and we have Androids, and that's it. That's sad. Uh, some have tried or purported to make different types of phones. They were not being honest. They just they were the same exact thing. They were Android platform, Google owned. Uh, they lied. So we have two choices, and that's all. And I don't like using Apple, but here it is. I've got an iPhone, and I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got nine spots here on favorites. <clears throat> For just one-touch texting or one-touch dialing. And you know what? Um, I think I deserve two of yours. Put both, <laughs> I'm teasing, of course. But seriously, if you want to call and you, and you uh, don't have the number memorized, don't wait for me to say it. Just touch it on your phone. 216-901-0945. And then save the other one, too. 888-281-1110. What I can't do for you with one touch is uh, let you sound off on the uh, on the webpage, alwayswrite.us, but you can still sound off on the alwayswrite webpage, alwayswrite.us. Just go to that page and click the red sound off button on the upper right-hand corner or near the upper right-hand corner. Click sound off, put in your name, click record, start recording into your phone or your computer mi- microphone or whatever you have. Click stop, click send, and it comes to me. And we'll play it on the radio and we'll, we'll uh, respond to it. So if there's a lot of news to get into this morning. I say we wait no longer. I say we start our program as we always do with our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please rise. I'll give you a second. I know you do this. I know it's very important to you, but please rise. Face the flag if you have one. Imagine one if you don't. If you're driving, at least put your hand on your heart and join us for this Pledge of Allegiance to the United States of America, the flag which represents her. It is an extraordinarily important time in our country, and we cannot let our loyalty and our faith in our country waver. So join us for the pledge. If, by the way, you are a continued believer in mandates, lockdowns, and other things that deprive Americans of their liberty, in fealty to a propaganda campaign. Well, then you don't have any idea what this flag represents anyway. The concept of liberty is foreign to you. As such, you are exempted from my request to stand and pledge your allegiance. You can instead take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. As for the rest of us... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands... One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, my friends, um, this is what it's going to take. Far be it for me to ever really 
offer any praise whatsoever for anything California. But wow, uh, this is a large, large statement. And it's one that I want to use as a model and an example of this is what it's going to take. The Beverly Hills City Council. Beverly Hills, land of opulence, land of wealth, land of fame, land of of pretty much most of the things that the rest of us really don't really aren't, aren't really interested in other than being wealthy but uh in terms of their culture we don't have a whole lot most of the people I know anyway I don't want to speak for you most people I know don't have a whole lot of interest in Beverly Hills anyway because we know what it is but be that as it may here we go the Beverly Hills City Council voted unanimously to not apply an indoor mask mandate even if Los Angeles County begins to enforce one. This is what it's going to take. It's going to take civil disobedience. It's going to take people talking to their representation. It's going to take activists saying, no, we will not go through this again. We will not hide our faces, muffle our speech, hide our expressions, breathe in uh, uh, an unholy soup of spit and saliva and snot and germs and bacteria behind one of these things for eight hours a day, putting our health in jeopardy, limiting our ability to breathe, fogging up our glasses, all for something that we do not believe is a real threat. And that would be the BS4, the BS5 subvariants of COVID-19. Los Angeles County has announced that, yes, they are considering a new county-wide mask mandate for indoor facilities, indoor uh, locations. And this has been expected. We already told you what San Diego, California is doing. This is why I started out the way I did. I mean, far be it for me to ever really praise anything California, because California is usually on the wrong side of virtually every major issue. Uh, I mean, it is almost its own country. It's why so many of us wish they would just declare it so. Uh, I mean, seriously, if it were possible to saw it off and let it flow down to the ocean uh, the way Bugs Bunny once did to Florida... (laughs) <laughs> which, by the way, would be a bad idea. Uh, it would be a great idea in, in California. So um, I don't give California a lot of credit, particularly because of stories like this. The San Diego Unified School District has announced when the kids report to school next month, they will be in masks or they will not be allowed on school grounds. They can sit and pretend to be in school again in front of their laptops or their desktops or their phones or whatever at their homes. They will not be allowed in without it. Los Angeles County has threatened the same. The Los uh, Los Angeles County Department of Public Health has been, quote, publicly weighing the possibility possibility of adopting an indoor mask mandate in the county, which has seen a steady rise in COVID-19 cases in recent weeks. The mandate was reportedly set to go into effect Friday, but Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer told reporters cases in the country may be leveling off, and we are likely to want to take a pause on moving too quickly on universal indoor masking. End quote. So that's what Los Angeles County's been planning, and you can just imagine, not everybody who lives in Los Angeles or lives in California is a nut uh, or a flake 
Um, you you kind of have to be to pay those kind of taxes and endure that kind of crime and endure that that kind of an attack and an assault on all things uh, good, virtuous, and true. But some of them are just kind of stuck, and some of them, you know, are were probably hoping for some sort of way to fight back. Well, at least in one city, they found it, and that is go to the city council, get in their ears, and tell them, hell no, we won't do this. And as such, the Beverly Hills Mayor Lily Bossy, great name for a leader and a mayor, I suppose, B-O-S-S-E, like uh, uh, Mike Bossy, the former, um, or David Bossy, I think that's how David Bossy uh, spells his name, too. Uh, and Mike, Mike Bossy, the former New York, New York Islander. Anyway, Beverly Hills Mayor Lily Bossy said, I feel it is our job to lead, and I support the power of choice, meaning the choice to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. If you feel like there are germs in the air, I don't care if they're BS5, var- subvariant germs, if they're flu germs, if they're common cold germs. I mean, I don't care. If you feel like I'm just not super comfortable in crowds, because I might breathe something in that isn't going to be great for me, go ahead. Wear the mask. Most of us are not going to say a single word to you. We're not going to judge you, at least to your face. After we pass you by, we might shake our head a little bit and go, oh, my gosh. What a nut. But uh, in reality, we're not going to make sure we're going to make sure that you don't know that. But most importantly, we're not going to accost you the way that it goes in the other direction. If these mask mandates are 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 put into place or strongly recommended and people who are not wearing masks walk by, it is the, you know, authoritarians who try to tell all the, the rest of us how to live our lives. that get in our faces and scream at us for not wearing masks. We're not going to do that to you. If you want to do it, do it. But you cannot and you should not feel compelled, and note, neither should any uh, anybody, whether you're in California, Beverly Hills, whether you're here in Cleveland, Ohio. You should not feel compelled. You should not feel forced. And that's the reality of a mandate. Our job, said Mayor Bossy, is to be proactive and public about what we believe. This is a united city council and a community that cares about health. We are not where we were in 2020, and now we need to move forward as a community and be part of the solution, end quote announcing that they will not comply. Los Angeles County Supervisor Catherine Barger also opposed the potential move to a mask mandate, issuing a statement on Monday calling into question how effective mask mandates are anyway. And that's extraordinarily important to know. Because the CDC and countless numbers of studies that have been done since this whole thing started in March of 2020 have proven that paper masks and cloth masks are literally completely useless in trying to stop the spread of a COVID-19 virus. Viral particles are smaller than the gaps in the, uh, you know, in the pores in the materials. And unless you're wearing an N95 mask, which provides more protection, it's pointless. And yet all of these mask mandates are basically just cover your face with something. Which means it is virtue signaling. Which means it is, it is um, an attempt to gain control over a population, not an, att- an attempt to help keep the population healthy. The Los Angeles County... Um, Supervisor Catherine Barger also said, quote, I have not seen any empirical data that conclusively shows that masking mandates make a difference in decreasing or stopping COVID-19 transmission. 
An analysis of Alameda County's June, 20, uh, June of 2022 masking mandate, in fact, concluded it had no significant impact in comparison to its surrounding counties that did not impose a mandate. Alameda County dropped this mandate after only three weeks. So what is my message here? We don't live in California. Bob, why are we talking about this? Here's why we're talking about this. If you see it coming and you need to stay on top in your community, at your at your city's city council meetings or your town council meetings or what have you, if you hear your school board, if you hear scuttlebutt, that they're thinking about making kids wear masks when they come back to school next month, you need to be on top of it and get pressure put on immediately. This is what activism looks like. This is what local activism looks like. It's the, it's the core tenet of Citizens for Free Speech. The national organization with a local um, body of work, that's probably poor wording, but, but it, it's a national organization that focuses on local activism, changing minds at the local level. And doing so, excuse me, with the most important and best information and the, the, the appropriate manner with which to, to explain this. That's what CFFS is all about. Local activism. It tells people that we can't change things in Washington, D.C., but you can change things in, let's say, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Let's say in uh, North Olmsted, Ohio. Let's say in Orange. Wh- whatever it is that you are, if there are things going on like this, you can make changes at your level. If you are willing to go and be active and convince city leaders, convince board members, convince commissioners that this is wrong, and here's why. We've got evidence, we've got facts, we've got data, and we've also got evidence and facts and data of not only what, uh, how these things do not work, but we've got facts and evidence and data about how harmful they can be. That's what it's all about. So kudos to... Um, Beverly Hills, California. Shocking as it might be to say, kudos to Beverly Hills saying if Los Angeles County comes down with a mandate to try to start this whole thing over again, we will not comply. And yes, I can absolutely dig that. That is how it's done. I don't care where you live. That is exactly what has to be done. Get the pressure on your leaders. Make sure that they know don't bother putting this order into place because we will not participate. That's what activism is all about. All right, it's 924. We'll take a quick time out. Come right back. Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. So while we're on the subject now at 927 of mandates, mask mandates, vax mandates, and more, We can't talk about those things without talking about Dr. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Science himself. Fauci did an interview yesterday on New Day on CNN, or I'm sorry, Tuesday, yeah, that was yesterday, Tuesday morning, uh, on CNN's New Day, and insisted to the host there, John Berman, that all he had ever done was to save millions of lives by putting forth common sense ideas recommended by the CDC that helped the government uh, implement sound public health policies to save lives. He said this in response to Senator Rand Paul uh, making statements indicating that the Republicans, if they are able to take back the House and the Senate, will indeed investigate Anthony Fauci about everything, about all of it, about funding uh, Wuhan gain-of-function research in Wuhan, China, uh, about the don't buy a mask, okay, get a mask, we don't need to mandate this, we should mandate this, all of it. 
So Fauci declared that he didn't do any recommend, recommending whatsoever. He literally said to, uh, uh, to uh, Berman that, quote, I didn't recommend locking anything down. This would be part of the investigation, of course, the investigation into his lockdowns and how dangerous and devastating they were for the country. And uh, he claims that I never recommended locking anything down. So what I'm about to play for you is back-to-back clips. Anthony Fauci yesterday, July 26, 2022, saying he didn't recommend locking anything down. And then Dr. Anthony Fauci in October of 2020, six months into the pandemic. And we'll listen to what he said there. We'll find out if he's telling the truth here. I wonder if you would recommend locking down schools if you had to do it all over again. Well, you know, again, it's uh, first of all, I didn't recommend locking anything down. You're, you're, you're asking me questions. You're talking about the CDC is the public health agency that uses their epidemiologists and their science based approach to make recommendations. It, it was a dis- okay, now that's the end. That's the end of clip one. The money line being, I didn't recommend locking anything down. That's what he said yesterday. Now October 2020. ...to make a recommendation to the president. It wasn't my decision that I could implement. And when it became clear that when we had um, community spread in the country, with a few cases of community spread, this was way before... There was a major explosion like we saw in the northeastern corridor driven by New York City metropolitan area. I recommended to the president that we shut the country down. Um, in case you missed it, you heard two different statements. I did not recommend locking anything down, and I recommended to the president that we shut the country down. This is the kind of narcissist? This is the kind of, uh, of, of individual, somebody who calls himself the living human embodiment of science that has been guiding our policy. He believes he's infallible, and he believes that you should believe the opposite thing that he says every time that he says it. Because as soon as he says it one time, he's going to turn around in a couple of weeks and say the other. This is what he has done for the last two and a half years, and he wants no blame for any of it. Rand Paul says, we're coming for you. We're coming for you when we take back the House and the Senate. We're not letting this stuff go. We will investigate. And Fauci says, fine, investigate me. Uh, Thank you for the double-dog dare. It was not necessary because, yes, we will indeed insist that our our legislators and representatives uh, do a full investigation. And hopefully at some point in time, uh, you'll be in a place that is more appropriate for you. And that's not a government office. That's not a laboratory. That's in a prison cell. 931. We'll get news now. We'll come back. Is wokeism collapsing upon itself? Paul Burfeind of the Federalist says it, or excuse me, Peter Burfeind of the Federalist says that it is. I hope he's right because I need some positive uh, uh, juju here. I need some good momentum. We need something to hope for here. So we're going to talk to Peter about that coming up on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, the end. the darkness of tyranny always right radio with bob france and the answer you know it's been a few days since we've played this i kind of feel like this is a perfect time to uh, give you another taste of woke busters 
Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Mm, not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition. My gender changes depending on the day or week or even depending on the hour. Whoa, if you got three months in Facebook jail, who you gonna call? If your five-year-old girl identifies as male, who you gonna call? Whoa, Buster! When you post pictures of your beautiful vacation, or your healthy children, or your lovely home, and you write hashtag blessed, I ain't trying to be woke. You are offensive because you were not chosen as one of God's favorites. You were given opportunities that other people were not. I ain't trying to be woke. We'll give you the rest of Woke Busters in just a bit, but I felt like we needed to hear a little bit of that again. Uh, by the way, kudos to Dale Officer and Johnny Hiles, who teamed up on that beautiful piece of work. But I felt like it's appropriate because of the story. I told you about this article by uh, Peter Burfine from The Federalist uh, yesterday, uh, and I would get an opportunity to go into a little bit more, little bit more depth. It's, it's positive. It gives us at least some kind of an idea of hope, uh, uh, you know, that, that maybe there is a light at the end of the tunnel, however it, however it is that you want to phrase it, that wokeism is collapsing upon itself. And I can only hope that is the case because sometimes I do see it gaining strength and I see more and more people losing the will to fight back against it. But Peter says it absolutely is going to collapse on itself. So let's welcome Peter Burfield now. He is a a writer for The Federalist. He is also the author of... um, uh, Burfine, excuse me. He is also the author of Gnostic America, a reading of contemporary American culture and religion according to Christianity's oldest heresy. Uh, Peter, good to have you on the program this morning. How are you, sir? Thank you, Bob. Thanks for having me on this morning. So I'm looking for every bit of positive news that I can get, which is why when I saw the headline on the Federalist uh, that wokeism is collapsing on itself, I immediately linked the article to my webpage and I started reading and I said, okay, now this is something we can sink our teeth into a little bit here and maybe give people a reason for some hope. So I first, I, I want you to describe what I love in your very first paragraph is that you give a definition of wokeism. A lot of people have said to me, what does it mean to be woke? Because, you know, there are a lot of different things that you can use to describe wokeism or woke, uh, you know, uh, you know or, or, you know, woke America. I think you do a tremendous job there by defining wokeism as the Gnostic rejection of nature yeah. on gender, sexuality, the laws of economics, energy, race, speech, and rationality itself. That is as deep yep. of a definition, I think, that I have heard. Um, t- tell me how you come to that. Okay, so, I mean, this is, you know, that's the theme of my book, of course. That came out in 2014, and I've been observing this, you know, since the 90s. But mm-hmm. basically, we are in a Gnostic moment in history. I mean, there's, there's been a decline in Christianity and religiosity, and there has needed to be a replacement for that. And the replacement has been this rising Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is the rejection of nature. It is the rebellion against nature. Because nature imposes upon us all these laws and rules, like like that there is a gender, or that borders are a necessary thing, or for instance, the law of scarcity in economics. You know, like you you can't just print off money forever, and 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 everybody can thrive on it. Um, But this one after another, there are these certain laws of nature that Gnosticism says, hey, if we just you know, dream up a better place or dream something above and beyond the the current world order, 
we can create a better a better way. And like I say in the article, that you can't rebel against nature. There's, I, I brought up this old quote by Horace, the Roman poet from the ancient world, who said, "You can you can chase out nature with a pitchfork. You can say." Oh, there's no gender binary. You can say there's no such thing as women. That's just a social construct. But nature is going to come back. <laughs> you can say two plus two equals five until you're trying to build a bridge based on that kind of math, and the bridge collapses. Nature will always come back, and that's the hope. The hope is that nature is not just going to sit by and say, okay, you guys do whatever you want. Nature is going to come back and, and prove us wrong. Peter Burfind is my guest. He is a writer for The Federalist. He is also an author. The book we're talking about right now and that this article was uh, was largely taken from or, or, a, or, or a build out from is Gnostic America, a reading of contemporary American culture and religion according to Christianity's oldest heresy. Peter, uh, by the way, it's a fantastic definition, and those are great. Uh, those are great explanations. Tell us about the liar's paradox that the left finds uh-huh. itself in. So this, I mean, the left has been dealing with the liar's paradox ever since it arose in the 19th century. And that is, how can you develop a theory? How can you invent a theory that is said to explain everything? And if we go deeper, we could say that it's really the left trying to assume the role of God himself. So it's really a God complex. But they, you know, it could be Kant, it could be Hegel, it could be, well, let's use Marx. And he's got his materialistic materialistic dialectic. Well, you invent this grand theory that explains everything, well, how do you yourself not fall under that theory? And the whole thing kind of collapses. So the liar's paradox is, if a Cretan says all Cretans are liars, is he to be believed? If the answer is yes, then how is, how is he himself not a liar? If the answer is no, well, then his whole theory is garbage. And the, the classic example of this right now is in critical race theory. So, and this is another article I wrote at The Federalist, if people want to link up with it. It's linked in my article. But so critical race theory was is a is a subcategory of uh, critical theory, which itself was written by guess what kind of people in the mid twentieth century, white male, usually he- uh, heterosexual men. Um, how so? The entire theory of critical theory is that people everything people do is only to further their own power, further their own advantage. Well, how do the how do the theorists of critical race theory how do they not fall under that same that same dictum or that same verdict? So, for instance, in today's world, the, the several and it, this this is what my whole article is about is how people are starting to see that that just can't stand and that cognitive dissonance between the theory and and people falling under the theory is causing a lot of even liberals to say, wait a minute, this isn't working out. So, for instance, critical race theory says. Everything white males do is to further their advantage. Well, who's benefiting from that? The people benefiting from it are white CEOs, uh, a lot of you know upper middle class human resources managers, um, you know whites on TikTok who are who are trying to virtue signal. Meanwhile, what does the theory say? The theory says that that blacks are in an inescapable order of things that they can't advance in. You know, a completely disempowering theory. So on one hand, it suppresses blacks and says, oh, you can't succeed in America. You have no chance. You have no agency. You have no power to to improve your lot in this country. And meanwhile, who are the people benefiting? White CEOs, white tech owners, billionaires, 
um, and a bunch of human resources managers who, who got their degrees in, in race studies. So, so that just proves the theory correct that, I mean, critical race theory says whites do everything to advance their own, their own, their own situation. Well, critical race theory is actually bearing that out. <laughs> so to me, I think people are starting to see that and wake up to that. Yeah, it really is a it really is a paradox, uh, and that's a great explanation. We're talking to B, uh, Peter Burfine from the Federalist. He is also an author. Um, let's talk about this Substack article that you reference as well. Uh, yes, things are really as bad as you heard, uh, because this yeah. is a great account of a teacher um, who is woke uh, and who supports wokeism and everything that goes along with it, but yet finds herself um, in in a bit of a different. Or I'm sorry, himself. This may be a male. I guess it's a male. It says Wesley. He's an anonymous writer. I. I, I... Oh. Oh. Didn't quite get the pronoun. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well said. Well said. Anyway, but he, uh, th- this particular teacher finds uh, finds something different, uh, uh, even even though they support wokeism. Tell us that story. Yeah. So so this this teacher was was running a summer program, and according to the rules of the summer program, if any African American signed up for the program, they were not to be, you know, bumped from the program, even if they didn't show up. And that was because of equity. The rules of equity say that, you know, they, they come from a disadvantaged situation, so, so don't boot them out of the class if they don't show. Um, well, so meanwhile, nobody's showing up to the class, and so the, the teacher is saying, well, why don't we bring in some of the people on the waiting list? And everybody's saying, no, you can't do that because, um, you, you, because of equity. You have to, you, 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 you can't just kick these people out of class because their whole life has been that, and so you, we will not kick anybody out of the class. So the person ended up having two people in their class and all these people on a waiting list, and, and they're even under, beginning to understand, like, how, how does this help anybody? And too bad they can't stand back and look at the whole, the whole premise of leftism as a big paradox. And, and you know, I, I think that, you know, it's the whole idea that, that you get mugged by reality. As you, as you get older, you start to realize that reality is what it is. And it's better to work with reality than fight against it, and you'll, you'll have far, far more success in life. You quote that teacher as saying, I can't keep pretending these ridiculous DEI schemes aren't hurting the children we owe so much to. They are. It's happening right now. Right. And, I, and, 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 and I agree with that. And by the way, I call DEI D-I-E because it spells die, and it's more appropriate because it basically kills every institution that it is supposed oh, to be yeah. helping. Um, yeah. But, but t- tell me about the, the future. Since you, your article is headlined um, that wokeism is collapsing on itself, tell me about the future of DEI when it is being implemented implemented now by virtually every public school and every corporation and every small business in America. I, I just think as one by one, you start to get fallout from this program, you know, like the example of this anonymous writer uh, or this anonymous experience on, on Substack. But I think one by one, you're just, it seems like every other day you're finding a new Substack writer, or a new author who's saying like, I, I just can't go along with this, whether it's, um, you know, the, um, I can't remember her name, the tennis player who's, who's a feminist and saying, you know, this, this whole transgenderism is eliminating the oh, idea Mar- Martina of... Martina Navratilova, who's a, who's a yeah, gay yeah. feminist. Yeah, she's a gay exactly, woman. Exactly, exactly. And yet she is so, so, she is so uh, put off by this trans movement. Yeah, so you, if you eliminate the idea of gender and sex, tra- sex, sex you, you eliminate the whole concept of same-sex attraction and what it means to be a woman and a, and a feminist, therefore. And it, it just, that, that can't hold. Leftism, this, this whole intersectional idea... That oh, all the all the marginalized are going to get together. Well, it can't work when when everybody sees each other as mutually marginalized marginalizing of the other. And so we conservatives can kind of sit at the sign light and, and eat popcorn and watch the fireworks, 
as leftism implodes on itself because it has to. The, the difficulty here, Pete, we're talking with Peter Burfind, an author and uh, writer. Uh, his piece on the Federalist uh, headlined, The Wokeism is Collapsing on Itself, is linked right now to my webpage, which is alwaysright.us. So you can read it for yourself when the show's over or the interview's over. Um, you know, the, the problem with it is, is how can DEI not create anything but more anger, more animosity, more, uh, animosity, more resentment, between the races, between straights and gays, between, you know, uh, traditional uh, family value people and the LGBTQ XYZ experiment. Uh, how can it do anything but that when it is telling people who are straight white males, as you point out, that you are not going to be given an, a fair opportunity? We can discriminate against you based on race and sex, all the things that the Civil Rights Act says we cannot do based on those things. How does it create anything more than or anything other than more resentment and thus worsen the problem? Right, and, and you realize that, I mean, like I said before, it's, it's all about white, whites advancing. It, it's really furthering the white savior complex, right? Uh, you know, the only solution to the, the problem of race is for white, for white to become anti-racist and whites to make the changes. You know, how does that not feed into the white savior complex? But they need that. They need that. You know, upper middle class whites who are, who are running all these programs, they need that grievances, that, that, that sense of alienation. So that they can thrive on that, you know that that's that's. I mean, ultimately, it goes back to a Gnostic thing. Gnostics view the world as a fundamentally broken, broken system, and that that sets themselves up as a savior. You know, you set up the world as a broken place, and then you yourself become a savior. And you know, I'm a Christian, so I believe there's no doubt where God ends and I begin, and I'm not God. Well, Gnostics is a bit, so he fuzzifies that line and says, "Well, you can be God. You can be the, the savior of the world." <laughs> and that that is, that's going to collapse on itself. So they have to they have to further and perpetuate that sense of grieving. Peter, last thing, tell us about the true victim. You you reference a case in Minneapolis and identify the true. Oh victim. man, tell us that story. Yeah. Oh, the the story there was there there was another you know shooting in Minneapolis, and the story was there's a, a a black male who and for whatever reason was in a in an apartment and and uh, holding a. a woman kidnapped or kidnapping a woman holding her hostage and uh he actually shot at a wall a couple times and eventually the police came and there were you know there was a stand up standoff for like six hours and they were trying to get him you know to, to stop what he's doing and eventually they had to shoot the guy well of course that brought out all the usual characters and you know it's just like cue the narrative and everybody comes in and you have all these middle-class white people coming out and, and protesting the supposed police shooting well, lo and behold, in the middle of it, the, the female, who is a, a person of color, comes out and starts screaming at him, you know, just basically saying, what are you talking about? This is not a George Floyd situation. You know, I was the victim. I was the one that was being held up, and the police actually saved me. And then so you, you got this woman of color who is the who is the true victim just crying out to these people and saying, why don't you look at my situation and all these you know, middle-class, middle-aged white men are, are talking to her and saying, you know, well, I'm sorry, it must have been an awful, awful experience, but, you know, shut up and, and just accept your role in, in our psychodrama. You know, it's more about their it's more about their psychodrama than it is about dealing with an actual victim. And I'm, I'm telling you, more and more people are starting to realize people are going to be waking up to this. 
Yeah, well, we hope they are. Uh, and and that story, by the way, was awful. You you just heard the 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 anger and the and the sadness and the fury in yeah. the woman's voice as she screamed at those protesters for for not oh. considering her and her child and the the danger that they were in, all because they had to go on in advance, as you say. You know the narrative. You know, cue the narrative. Right, right. Um, yep. So, la- last thing I want to ask you is to circle back to the very beginning when we talked about your terrific definition of the Gnostic re- re- rejection of nature on all of those issues. Yeah, w- where is all of this coming from? I think a lot of us like to think, we try to boil it down and simplify it to party. This is what the Democrats have come up with. They've come up with DEI, they've come up with wokeism, they've come up with all of these things. But it's it's deeper than that. Um, is it are we talking about individual you know, writers and theorists from decades gone by that are now just kind of being brought to modern times? I mean, how did we get to the place where we are, where wokeism has dominated so many uh, uh, elements of our culture right now? Yeah, I mean, this is a long story that goes all the way back. Like I argue in my book, it goes back to a Christian heresy. I mean, yeah. modern leftism is a species of Christian heresy. And basically what it is, is, is I would argue, in the last 200 years, as, as philosophy has eliminated the need for God, there has needed to be a replacement religion in, in place of especially the Christian God. And basically what has replaced it is the belief that that the self or humanity or even history is a god that's replacing the Christian god. And what that ultimately does is it deifies or divinizes the human person. And that, that to me, is where everything, where everything boils down to. It's really a spiritual thing. I mean, it, and, and it, I mean leftism is a species of Christian heresy, and, and that's something people need to understand. It's the belief that they are a Christ. They are a, they are a god. It's a god complex applied to a political movement. Very well said and uh, very well received. Peter Burfind, author uh, of Gnostic America, a reading of contemporary American culture and religion according to Christianity's oldest heresy. Also, author of A Year Crowned with Goodness, another one. Uh, I don't have those books linked, but I have his article linked in The Federalist right now to alwayswrite.us. Click it and read it and uh, read more from Peter Burfind. Peter, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Very well explained. uh, And keep up your good work, sir. Thanks so much, Bob. All right, there you go. That's Peter Burfind. It's 9.56. We're going to take our time out here. We'll probably carry this up to the news. And we'll come back, and we're guest-free in hour number two. So if you've been waiting to get in, this is a chance to get in on any of the issues we're discussing or beyond. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Our next guest isn't until 1110 when we talk with the brilliant Neil McCabe from the Ohio Star. So next hour is yours. Let's take advantage of it on Always Right Radio. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now, eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Good morning. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday, 27th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thanks again to Peter Burfind. His article is up now at uh, 
uh, alwaysright.us, as are the lead stories of the day. So make sure that you check those out. We are guest-free in hour number two, so we are wide open. If you've got something to ask, if you've got something to comment on, you got something to say, I am welcoming those calls now, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Either one of those works well. Um, I got two texts already saying, play the rest of Wokebusters. <laughs> uh, not, not many listeners have my cell phone number. I'm sure if they did, that would have gotten more messages saying, play the reg- what rest of Wokebusters, because I only teased it at the beginning of the interview. Shut up, you. Uh, I only uh, teased it at the beginning of the uh, uh, interview that I did with uh, Peter Burfine. So, all right, uh, why not? Since we did a story and an, and an article, an interview on an article called uh, Wokeism is Collapsing Upon Itself, that's another way of saying wokeism is getting busted, right? Uh, yeah, Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Mm, not in okay. this context. So I'm you not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition. My gender changes depending on the day or week or even depending on the hour. If you got three months in Facebook jail, who you gonna call? If your five year old girl identifies as male, who you gonna call? When you post pictures of your beautiful vacation or your healthy children or your lovely home and you write hashtag blessed, I ain't trying to be woke. You are offensive because you were not chosen as one of God's favorites. You were given opportunities that other people were not. I ain't trying to be woke. If the liberal mob tries to shut you down, who can you call? Because you forgot to use their preferred pronouns. Oh, who you gonna call? What are your preferred pronouns? Uh, Zazam. These are my pronouns. Mapa, Nini, Nopa, Nori. I ain't trying to be woke. Opa, Pere, Pong Pong, Zaza, Zizi, Trixic, Torque, Feminamork, Viramork, Allosexual. I ain't trying to be woke. If you've had enough of this freaky stuff, baby, you better call. Whoa, Busters! If your American dream is too extreme, then call. Our genitals actually don't determine our gender. I ain't trying to be woke. Do you believe then that men can become pregnant? Yes. I ain't trying to be woke. Trans women are not a threat to women's sports. I ain't trying to be woke. Any male who claims not to be a misogynist is a misogynist. When a traffic statue replaces Chief Wahoo, you really need to call. When NBC sounds like the KGB, baby, think you better call. Whoa, Busters! Ow, who you gonna call? Whoa, Busters! Who you gonna call? Whoa, Busters! I can't hear you. Who you gonna call? Whoa, Busters! I think you better call. Whoa, Busters! Who can you call? Whoa, Busters! I gotta tell you, man. That is, uh, that is one of my favorites. That is one of my favorites, and I know you can see why people wanted to hear it again, too. And it is pretty doggone accurate. 
uh, some of the stories that were discussed in my conversation with Peter Burfine, and you need to hear that. We'll we'll post that interview, by the way, uh, uh, by itself, isolated on the website sometime before these uh, before noon, and uh, we'll get it up there for you. But if you miss some of those conversations, some of the horrific things that are being promoted and that are being pushed, that God willing. It is collapsing on itself. You understand the need for our activism. You understand the need for our protection of our children. President Trump, um, as part of his speech, uh, part of a speech, rather, that he gave, uh, I believe it was Monday. This wasn't the Turning Point USA speech. Uh, He was back in D.C., and he was giving a speech uh, about a wide-ranging variety of topics. He took on the issue of crime. Specifically, uh, calling for the death penalty for drug dealers, uh, saying that if you kill a drug dealer, it saves 500 lives. And a lot of people are, you know, saying, hey, you know, they're cheering that. And, and by the way, so am I. But they're also pointing out that's the exact opposite of what your bill that you signed into law did back when you were president. Uh, because it was, you know, um, uh, it was a, an agenda item, I guess, for trying to convince more minorities to back President Trump. He made a promise uh, that he would um, uh, implement criminal justice reform, and he would sign a law um, that reformed the criminal justice system. They made it more equitable, and he did. And and guess what? It let a whole lot of very dangerous drug dealers out of prison. So the messaging was good, but it doesn't really match the action. But what is better in the president's speech um, was his commentary on protecting children. And this is a large part of the reason why wokeism needs to collapse that Peter and I just talked about. Because our kids are in jeopardy unlike really any other time. society that refuses to protect its children is a society that soon will not be able to protect anybody. This is a hallmark of cultural and social decay against which we should fight back very hard and very soon. We don't have time to wait years to do this. The sickos who are pushing sexual content in kindergartens who are providing puberty blockers to young children who have no idea what a puberty blocker is. Neither do I, by the way. (laughs) Neither do most of the people in the audience as you smile. Let's just say they're not good, are not just engage in acts of depravity. In many cases, they are breaking the law, and they should be held fully accountable. And by the way, we should not allow men to play in women's sports. So crazy. He is, of course, right about most of that. Not all of that. When he said he doesn't know what a puberty blocker is and neither does anybody else in the room, I'm going to have to say not a good look. Uh, yeah, we do. It's, it's about as simple as, as, a, as a definition could be. It's in, the, it's in the name. It blocks puberty. Okay? There you go. They're drugs that block puberty. They block hormones from developing and hormones from uh, changing uh, a person from an adolescent into an adult. That's what puberty blockers do. So, And we know why they do that, because they don't want young girls to blossom into women if they are trying to tell their parents that I'm a boy. They want to block the puberty and vice versa. So having said that, President Trump is spot on. A society that refuses to protect its kids, sometimes from themselves, is a society that soon will not be able to protect anybody. He is spot on. And when I say from themselves, I'm talking about the parents 
who are so eager to be hip and trendy and new and leftist and liberal and with it that they want their kids to be able to identify something else so that they can flex. Look how woke we are. Look at this. My son is a girl. My daughter is a boy. Look at that. My daughter is both boy and girl. My son is not my son anymore. He's my being, and he is neither boy nor girl. And they want to do this. Too many of them are so excited about this. And this is just one example of it. Another nose ring wearer, uh, a mom who took to TikTok to tell everybody, look how woke my family is. Look what my kid said, and look what I did to affirm it. Look, another helpful question. Kids have to go to the pediatrician a certain number of times for the first few years of their life. It's to make sure they get fully vaccinated or growing on time. Uh, development is as it needs to be, yada, yada, yada. At the three-year checkup, they ask a question to see if the children know the difference. So the pediatrician looked at Bug and she said, are you a boy or a girl? Bug looked her in the eye and said, I'm a girl. I'm going to pause this BS story right now. I'll let you hear the rest of it. It's only another three seconds, but I'm going to pause this part to point out that it is it is indeed BS. I have been to every pediatrician's appointment that my children ever, ever had. And I'm talking about all of them. Not most of them, all of them. Never once did the pediatrician that was treating and, and, and uh, examining my children ask them if they were a boy or a girl. That doesn't get asked because it is obvious from birth what a boy is and what a girl is. So this story is just made up, internet, TikTok, woke pablum from the very beginning. But I want you to see what these kids are up against. The doctor kind of looked at me. I was like, all right, never heard about it before, but whatever. And ever since that. And, and, and that was your cool mom response, right? Just, oh, no, I never heard my my son declare that he was a girl before, but whatever, because that would be a normal response, right, for a parent to find out that their child is actually trying to say that they're not what they are. Because, yeah, well, I mean, you would just shrug and say, whatever, it's all good, because aren't I cool? Aren't I alert? Aren't I woke? That day, she has told us that she's a girl. A little under a year ago, she started correcting us on her pronouns. I'm n- your, your, your four-year-old. Your four-year-old did that. Started correcting you, right? Not him. I'm a her. Don't call me he. Mommy, I'm not he. I'm she. It has been two and a half years now that she has been out. I told her father when I figured she was getting close to telling him herself. Didn't want him to respond poorly. So this nose ring wearer and tongue stud wearer, you can see it when she speaks, (laughs) uh, wants you to believe that her three-year-old decided what he was and she decided yep we're affirming that i I cannot get off of the uh, line by bill maher when he pointed out the absurdity of this leftist movement this trans movement this child abusing grooming recruiting destroying movement because it does all of those things to kids it destroys them it, it just does. And Bill Maher, who is a leftist, 
keeps pointing out the absurdity of it all, and I cannot, I cannot get past the line that he closed his one monologue with when he said, when I was that age, I wanted to be a pirate. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for not scheduling me for eye removal and peg leg uh, uh, surgery. Because I was going through a phase. I was saying goofy things, as kids are wont to do. This is exactly what they do. And you don't go ahead and, quote, gender affirm them by saying, let's get you on the puberty blockers now. You smile at them and you say, oh, okay. And you ignore the rest. That's what you do. You smile and you ignore it. You don't go, okay, whatever, whatever you want to be is fine with me. Because you know it is something that is going to pass. Just like the countless numbers of girls who, who, who decide, or rather, let me restate that, countless number of boys who said such things, that I'm a girl, who went through the puberty blockers, who went through the surgeries, and then as teenagers are crying and committing attempted suicides because they realize that the adults in their lives failed them. They'll never be able to go back again. They can't go back and undo the puberty blockers and restart puberty. They can't go back and undo the surgical mutilations because it just can't be undone. And the adults in their lives failed them. They blame their doctors. They blame their teachers. They blame their parents for not stepping up and saying, I was young and stupid. What are you doing to me? President Trump is right. If we refuse to protect those kinds of kids from the, the, the woke influences in their life, then we won't be able to protect this culture. We won't be able to protect our families. We won't be able to protect our communities. We won't be able to protect this society. And, and the last thing I'll say on this for now, i got a lot of things to say, but the last thing I'll say about this for now is this. If I take a dog to a surgical veterinarian, or rather we're a veterinarian, veterinarian surgery center, whatever. And I tell that surgeon to remove the dog's legs. And instead, surgically implant fins where the legs were. Is that dog now a fish? Or is that a surgically mutilated dog? That's a surgically mutilated dog. I cannot make it not a dog by changing some of its physical features. And that's the reality of this entire trans movement. You cannot make a boy a girl. You cannot make a girl a boy by surgically mutilating its physical features. It just doesn't work. They want us to trust them on science. They want us to trust them on climate. But they also want us to believe that science says men can have babies. The moment you tell me men can have babies, the moment you tell me boys can be girls, the moment you tell me girls can be boys, simply by genetic mutil or excuse me, surgical mutilation, the moment you tell me that is the moment our conversation ends. You have nothing left to say. You have nothing that I'm interested in hearing. Until you can affirm to me that your, your belief that females get pregnant, males do not, we can't have a conversation about anything else, whether it's climate science or anything, or, or, or COVID science 
or vaccine science or anything else. Admit to me that only females get pregnant and only females have babies, then we can talk. If you cannot do that, if you're so completely dialed into and buying into the woke trans movement, then we can't talk about anything. Uh, let me get Rick and Elyria here before the break. Hey, Rick, thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, Bob. Uh, the uh, I, I, Bottom line is, in my opinion, when you talk about the wokeism, when yeah. you talk about the LBQ, this, this, and this, all it is is all boils down to one thing. What's that? Sin. S-I-N. People want to live in the dark. God is light, and these people want to live in the dark. Well, I cannot disagree with you, Rick. The, the, the forceful removal of God from our schools, the forceful removal of God from our lives, the forceful removal of all things virtuous and true from our culture, of course they lead to sin. Of course they lead to the things that we right now may end up um, regretting in, in a very serious way as we recognize the beginning of the end times. And I'm not. Uh, and thank you for the call. I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm not qualified to do those kinds of things. But I will tell you, yes, the forceful removal of God, I think, makes a lot of these um, insane, woke ideas and ideals a lot easier to push on the masses. Thank you, sir. God bless. Appreciate you. We'll, call, we'll come right back. Reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. Onward we roll. Thanks for being with us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I want to stay with um, the story of the trans movement, the abuse of children, and the labeling of people who don't affirm uh, these strange ideas that kids sometimes have, and sometimes adults have them too. But the um, the labeling of those people, including me, as being homophobic, transphobic, bigoted, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because it is not up to us to decide someone's identity. It is not up to anyone else to decide what someone believes they are. And if they believe they are, we must treat them as if they are, right? Now, you've heard this over and over and over from you know the, the woke leadership of America, including the media. That it is not our decision to make what somebody calls themselves. You must affirm their pronouns. You must affirm their identity. If they are saying they're not boy but girl, not girl but boy, not girl nor boy, but being not girl nor boy, but sometimes both, sometimes either, you have to go along with them. And yes, even if they go outside of the human species, not girl but cat, not girl but bird who are you to judge who are you to tell them they can't be what they want to be and if they want to be called a or air instead of they or there which is of course instead of the correct he or she or him or uh, or he or she, he or him or or uh, her or she if uh if that's what they want to do that's what you do and if you don't do it, you're fired, you're suspended, you're whatever your place in life is, because it is not your place to harass them. I bring that up to bring you this. This story is from the London Daily Mail. 
and it is filled with pictures I wish my eyes had not seen. A tattooed man who plans to become a black alien, his words, who has already had one hand turned into a claw with the removal of two fingers, now wants one of his legs amputated. His name is Anthony Lafredo. He has covered his body, including his eyeballs, with tattoos. He has had surgical implants under his skin to create ridges and, 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 and layers on his, uh, under his skin on his head and on his arms, all so that he can be the alien that he knows he is inside. He had two fingers. He's 33 years old. He had two fingers cut off so his hand looks like a claw. His eyes are tattooed. His tongue is split into a fork. His nose has been removed, so there are just two holes where the nose used to be. His ears are, are surgically transformed into something that I can't describe. Um, and he looks like an alien. And he believes he really is an alien. And he wants to look that way. Now the next, the, the next move is to amputate one of his legs. Again, I wish I hadn't seen these pictures. I will have nightmares about them. I'm not kidding. It's that grotesque. But by the rules and standards set from the American left, I have to affirm his identity. I have to affirm and support his transition. And, and is it really that different, having body parts cut off of him in order to make him feel like more of what he is? Is there a whole lot of difference between him having a leg amputated or fingers amputated than a young woman having her breasts amputated? To have a double mastectomy because she really thinks she's a boy? If we approve of one, if we affirm one, if we support the transition of one, don't the rules of, of, of uniformity and, and, and fundamental fairness apply and say we have to, we have to, do, to do that for both? Or can we, can we correctly identify and describe this individual as being mentally disturbed, psychologically confused, psychologically damaged. I think we could probably all agree with that. Somebody who wants to do this to their body, to become something that they're not, has a psychological illness. Yes? Is there anybody who would dispute that? And if you see these pictures, and by the way, I have the story up. That story is up right now. It's alwaysright.us. It's uh, the lead story right now under today's top stories near the top of the page. And the caption that I gave the story is this, and if you don't affirm his identity, you're a bigot and an alien-phobe. Because if we don't affirm the identity of a little boy who wants to take puberty blockers, or whose adults in charge of him give him puberty blockers, and then start surgical, surgically mutilating his body, if we don't affirm that, then we're bigots and we're transphobes. That's what we're being told by the American left, by academia, by professors from Cal Berkeley on the United States Senate floor, from the media, from all circles. Affirm the identity or you're a bigot and an alien phobe. If we can all agree that this individual is, is psychologically disturbed, and we're not actually bigots, we're just realists, if we're not actually alien phobes, but we believe that this 
this person has a mental impairment that wants makes him want to mutilate his body so that he can become something that he's not. If we can all agree with that, and I cannot understand how we wouldn't, then how is it so far of a leap to say, no, a little boy who thinks he's a little girl or is pretending to think he's a little girl to please the adults in his life that continue to push him in that direction, um, is psychologically disturbed. Or, if not psychologically disturbed, just being forced into formative year um, acceptance of, of the adults in their lives' wishes. Whether they be preschool teachers, whether they be uh, elementary school teachers, parents, caregivers, uh, other uh, the media, social media influencers, I want to be like that, too. If we accept that people who do this and, and, and try to pretend things that they're not are psychologically disturbed, then why, why are we branded as bigots and homophobes and transphobes when we say this about little, little kids, particularly little kids who are being influenced and groomed to do this by, uh, by the adults in their lives? Now, having said all of that, I want to bring it to this real quick. The attorney general in the state of Ohio... Dave Yost, has joined, thank goodness, uh, a host of other attorneys general to challenge and file a lawsuit against the, uh, against the uh, Biden administration for withholding school lunch money from schools that don't participate in this psychological delusion with, with kids. Dave Yost joined a lawsuit started by attorneys general in Tennessee and Indiana, signed on by 19 others, to prohibit the Biden administration from withholding federal nutritional assistance and Title IX funding to schools that fail to adopt the administration's radical and biologically flawed gender identity policies. Reading from the Ohio Press Network, Jack Windsor's group uh, now. The lawsuit pushes back on U.S. Department of Agriculture policy updates, which are not the result of a law passed by Congress that rewrote rules to withhold federal dollars meant to feed needy children. Schools could be faced with these funding cuts if they don't adopt adopt Biden's preferred policies on gender identity, which potentially involves, or includes rather, giving biological boys access to girls' bathrooms and allowing boys to compete in girls' sports. This is classic federal policy, literally converting carrots into sticks and using them to beat a political agenda into local schools, said Dave Yost. When will the Biden administration learn that making law is the legislature's role? Amen. Amen. Yost is right to challenge this and to join this lawsuit on both fronts, on the legal side of it, but also on the principal side of it. It is unfair to starve needy kids all with the goal of pleasing and bowing to the LGBTQ XYZ exclamation point ampersand question mark uh, dollar sign movement. And yes, I will mock that forever as such because it is nothing but a social justice fantasy with an attempt to gain more political power for those on the left. It is not interested in the psychological health of kids or people. That's all the Biden administration is doing here. Yost is right to challenge this on both fronts. Girls should be protected as girls, not eliminated. Girls exist. Women exist. There is a definition. It is not just a feeling. There are literal definitions. 
and for the Biden administration to starve hungry kids because we because certain schools won't go along with their invented pronouns uh, pronouns and they're invented there's no difference between boy and girl uh, a, a description of uh, of uh, human biology that boys should be able to compete with girls and vice versa because everybody's identical and everybody's the same and everybody's different all at the same time Absolutely, he should join us. We're going to try to get Dave Yost on. It's been a little bit since we talked to the AG in the state of Ohio. We've got to make that happen, that we'll talk specifically about this. It's a big deal. He's joining a very, very important lawsuit, one that I hope is uh, is successful and, and quickly, too, rather than dragged out. Okay, Brian is calling us from Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for waiting. Brian, go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob, two things real quick. He must be a Brandon folk because... The buffoon on Pennsylvania Avenue believes he's the president of the United States, and we're supposed to go along with that. <laughs> oh, well done. Well done. I'm a Brandon phobe. You're right. <laughs> he, right? he identifies but as president, great. but we know that in reality he's not. <laughs> that is perfect. Well done, sir. Uh, good time. But uh, at any rate, uh, where, where do these freak shows get all this money? For tattoos and amputations and body implants and everything like that. I mean, I identify as a blue-collar male. I'm just a truck driver. Where's my subsidies? I'm having a hard enough time putting food on my table, and these people are out getting amputations and body implants? How does that work? I, I was wondering the same thing. Obviously, these things cannot be covered. I wouldn't imagine, unless you're in universe, a universal health care nation, and I think he's all over the place. He's going to different parts of the world to get these surgical procedures. Maybe they're covered under universal health care insurance. I don't know. Uh, but but cause typically, tattoos cost... <laughs> tattoos cost hundreds of dollars, and in fact, you know, full sleeves and leg sleeves and these kinds of things that tattoo enthusiasts yeah. get—they're thousands and thousands of dollars. That's to say nothing of the surgeries to 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 you know amputate you know digits and now amputate a leg. And and by the way, I would imagine not they're not paying full medical prices because they're not going to actual doctors. I think a real doctor who takes a Hippocratic Oath of doing no harm would never remove a healthy limb from anybody. So these have to be some some pretty sketchy people so that he's going to. We we got the underground pirate factory. Wow, okay. <laughs> well, the underground alien factory in this guy's case. Right. You got it. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I did wonder that as I was looking at the pictures and the videos of this um, this this psychologically disturbed guy, and I wondered too, how much does this cost, and where does he get his money? Is he independently wealthy? Did he have a trust fund? Did he inherit a bunch of money? Did he win a lottery? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, although that is, of course, secondary to the issue of of should we accept him as what he says he is? Because that's what we're told. As long as somebody feels that way, that it must be true. TJ's in Cleveland. Hi, TJ. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, these aliens have always puzzled me. You know, they get in their super high-tech spaceship. They come all the way across the galaxy. And what do they do when they get here? They mutilate cows out west. Uh, you know, they abduct people out of their bedrooms at night. Now I'm finding out they, they came here to get tattoos, too. I mean, I'm just wondering just what kind of advanced life is out there, if there is. Uh, you know, TJ, it is worth a chuckle, my friend. It really is. And I don't know what the, 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 the story is with these, uh, with these people. And thank you for the call, my friend. I always appreciate it. And, uh, certainly the levity is welcome at a time like this. But I, I, I sincerely want to focus on this. If this guy got hired, now in the story from the Daily Mail in UK is accurate. He said something about he's having a hard time finding a job. 
<laughs> no way. When you see the pictures, you'll know why I'm, I'm saying that. Uh, he's saying it's having a hard time finding a job because of the way he looks. But let's just say for the sake of discussion that he does have a job. Let's say that he works in a corporation. Let's say he works for somebody like Woca-Cola, for example. And Woca-Cola preaches DEI, which of the I of which, of course, is inclusivity or inclusion. And if Woca-Cola says, you must tell this dude with the beard and the thick muscles, but who likes to wear a pink tutu to work, who says he's a girl... And, uh, and and not just that, a, a girl by a ballet dancer, and you must call this guy her or she or whatever it is that she wants to identify as. Because that's what goes on at these corporations. You realize that, right? You identify coworkers as what they want to be identified as. You call them what they want to be called, or you are going to HR. The first write-up is a reprimand. The second is a dismissal from your job. So if you have to call that guy a, a, a little girl ballerina dancer, because that's what he identifies as, do you have to call the freak show with the uh, alien tattoos and the removal of fingers and the removal of nose? Do you have to call him whatever alien word he comes up with or, or and, and participate in his delusion? Or are you fired? And my answer would be, you doggone well better. For the sake of consistency, for the sake of fairness, if you must call one delusional person by their delusional words, language, pronouns, etc., you better do it for everybody. It's everybody or it's nobody. Otherwise, you are diminishing this individual's self-worth, and that is a crime. That makes you an alien-phobe. Ten fifty five, always right. Radio AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Let's squeeze in a call here from uh, Ravenna. Jimmy, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good morning. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. Uh, just want to say I I looked up that story on your website, and that's got to be the scariest Halloween costume I've ever seen. <laughs> you aren't kidding. Except aren't it's kidding. not a costume. I mean, yeah. could you imagine if that came up to you in public? Uh, no, I mean, I'd, I, I'd probably call the cops. I mean, I you know what would you do? I don't know what I would do. I, 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 if it got close to me, like looking at, like really coming at me, I'd shoot it. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got you you. I you're, shouldn't you're laugh crazy at that, enough. but I shouldn't laugh at that. But you know what? I get it because it doesn't look human. It does not look human. This guy has made himself. He's transitioned himself into from from what what looks like a human being to if he comes at you hopping on one leg with a claw on one hand because that's what he has. He had two fingers surgically removed so that he looks like it looks like a claw. If that non-human thing comes up to you, you might literally think it's not a human being and you are about to be attacked. I, I get it. I do. I, I mean, you're looking up its nasal nasal cavity. Yeah, you're, you're and, looking straight and, into it because his, his nose is gone. He just has two yeah. holes where his nose would be, and those and those are indeed his nasal passages. And by the way, I don't know and, if you scrolled down on the link, but did you see a picture of him before he did all this? Yeah, yeah, Good looking guy, totally buff, yeah, not, not totally yeah. normal looking. Yeah, a totally normal look. I mean, he's buff. I mean, there's a picture of him posing there. He's got a polo, a polo shirt on. The guns are out, man. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's clean cut. He's, you know, he, he just, he's a good looking, probably about 30 year old guy, or I don't know, maybe in his 20s, cause he's 33 now, according to the story, but he was a very normal looking dude, uh, and, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, 
had some kind of psychological thing happen to him where he said, I'm going to mutilate my body. And, and that's what he has done now. And apparently um, he's, he's not going to stop until he literally has surgically amputated one of his legs. Uh, and, and here's the thing. If, if, and, you know, I would back up my statement, though, saying if your judgment is that warped that you would do that to yourself, what wouldn't you do to me? Yeah, you're right. If he's willing to do that to himself, that's a very good point. What would I, I? I would not be near him if I couldn't escape him. And by the way, when he finishes the, this next surgery, he'll only have one leg. You probably can outrun him. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to shoot him. You can probably outrun him. But but yeah, if I was in a position where I was uh, you know unable to get away, I would be very very concerned for my safety. I get your point. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the phone call. Some people are posting on the comments. He probably makes a ton of money from media and making appearances. Uh, and he's providing for himself. Well, you know what? What do you do with the money? How do you enjoy yourself if you're making money looking like a freak, but then you have to go through your life looking like a freak? What do you do? I mean, he gets paid for, for, for videos and things like that. Okay, fine. But what exactly is the goal in life here? We'll take a time out. We've got news coming up. On the other side of the news, we'll talk to Neil McCabe, our friend and reporter extraordinaire from the Ohio Star. That's next in 1420 The You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward into hour number three now, nine minutes past 11 o'clock. Thank you so much for joining us for Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. It's a Wednesday, the 27th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Uh, so I want to welcome into our program now, we're back to our program, our regular Wednesday commentator. He is the national political editor of the Star News Network. He covers the Ohio State House and Ohio politics as well uh, for the Star, and that, of course, is Neil McKay. Welcome back to the program, Neil. How are you, sir? Hey, really great to be with you, Bob. Always a pleasure talking with you. Hey, before we get started on some of the things that you and I prepped on by uh, discussing this uh, last evening, I just yeah. want to ask you about um, the the turnout. I saw a story about the turnout thus far in the early voting in the Ohio uh, second Ohio primary that's coming up on August second, and it looks like um, the Democrats are outperforming the Republicans in terms of just number of votes. Uh, but obviously, it is going to be a very very low participation uh, uh, election or or primary election for the state house uh, positions, for state senate positions, for state central committee positions. Do you have any feel for it? Two weeks away from actual election day. Well, we kind of talked about it before when uh, Dewine beat Renacy and Blystone. Mm-hmm. Is that you know you had lower turnout on the on the Democratic side because so many Democrats were voting for Dewine, and so 
I think that's part of it. But that's, I think not, another but part that's of it, not part of this one. This 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 second exactly. version of the primary well, doesn't have that. So I'm kind of curious as to why you know more what, Democrats. So I'm saying are not those there. Democrats. So those Democrats that weren't voting for the in the Democratic primary were are now returning home. I think also what you're seeing. Oh, okay. Is I that got the, you. So the red wave is really starting to become the red trickle, and you know a lot of these house races that you're seeing across the country are baked in. But what you're seeing also is that the Republican momentum has almost come to a screeching halt. And I think part of that is because Republicans have no answer. When the Democrats are screaming about Roe v. Wade being overturned, Republicans hide under their desk. They don't actually, they don't actually want to talk about abortion, so they basically just give up the field. And that is showing up also in the small donations, which are across the board, the small donor numbers for Republicans uh, are down about 15% from where they were, say, six months or a year ago. So things are really falling off the map uh, for Republican fundraising. And I think you're seeing a momentum gap that, you know, it has nothing to do with Biden. But I think that the Democrats have basically uh, found their second wind and the Republicans are still in their sort of no risk, no prevent defense. And... I think that's playing out, and you're seeing it. You're seeing it in Ohio, but you're seeing it in other states. hasn't really shown up, you know, nationally. But but the national t- poll numbers are gonna are gonna lag behind what's going on in the states. I think you're also seeing it in Georgia and, and other places. But certainly in Ohio, I think that you know Democrats run through the tape. That's, I think that's the the final lesson is that you know the Republicans are congratulating themselves on their big win in 2020 forgetting that the election is actually held in November. Um, the total number of absentee Excuse ballots... 2022, I meant. Yeah, Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yep. That's okay, I know what you meant. The total number of absentee ballots requested for this August 2nd election were 72,970. So far, 29,700 have been returned. Uh, at this time in April, more than 123,000 were requested. More than 45,000 have been returned. Uh, and uh, notably, as uh, we were discussing, Democrats have requested nearly 20,000 more absentee ballots for this particular uh, version of the primaries and returned 5,000 more than Republicans have. So uh, I think you make great points about, you know, this this red wave turning into a trickle. But I also think that, as you point out, you know, this is a very different ballot, or very rather a very different uh, 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 primary election than what's going to happen in November. I think so many people have their eyes on November, what is it, 8th, uh, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the actual midterms in which we're supposed to see this change over a power. I just think a lot of people are maybe a little bit electioned out and maybe a little bit, you know what, this just doesn't carry the same weight as the one in November does, and that's all they're thinking of. Yeah, and of course, uh, you know, you're relying on what the, you know, basically all of the hacks at the Ohio Republican Party. Like they're gonna <laughs> exactly. What are they? You know, yeah. You know, it's like uh, the the hacks who work at the Republican uh, Party in uh, in Columbus. Do you know why they don't look out the window in the morning? Why? They want something to do in the afternoon. <laughs> Neil McCabe joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, Terrific, terrific stuff. Neil, let's get into some of the things you and I did talk about. Uh, Let's talk about J.D. Vance. 
Um, you pointed out uh, that he had a fundraiser with a very interesting guy, uh, a guy who is not necessarily very well thought of in, in conservative circles in the United States uh, Senate, or, yeah, in the United States Senate. But uh, J.D. Vance is also drawing some heat from some people that we don't like either. So a little bit of a mixed bag here. Tell us what you've got on J.D. and his uh, Senate candidacy. Well, you know, uh, probably for conservatives, one of the most loathsome human beings uh, on Capitol Hill is John Cornyn. And he's a guy who he does, he, he does this uh, classic uh, Republican leadership two-step. He, every year, he, or every two years, when the session begins, he files a national concealed carry reciprocity bill, and he gets 40 to 50 Republicans to co-sponsor it. And everybody puts out a press release saying how much how they love gun rights. And the thing goes to the Judiciary Committee, and they've been filing this bill. I think he's filed something like six or eight of them. And it never even goes to a vote at the Judiciary Committee. The thing doesn't move. And, but everybody just says, hey, we love guns. And, but in practice, Cornyn is the guy responsible for passing that red flag bill that the president signed. And he's also the one, uh, two sessions ago, that when the Republicans had uh, the Hudson bill, which was H.R. 38, which was a, an absolutely elegant, National Concealed Carry Reciprocity Bill. Uh, Cornyn was pushing the expansion of background checks. Scalise, to his credit, combined the, the the Concealed Carry Bill with the background check bill. So basically, the background check bill was a, a must-pass bill. The Republicans controlled the House and the Senate. Corner, Cornyn was pushing for it. The House votes to approve that bill, and then Cornyn stripped out when it came over to the Senate side, he strips out national concealed carry, which he supposedly supports. And they, and then the House Republican leadership basically just got exhausted, said, uh, you know, we're not going to fight this anymore. And they basically passed Cornyn's beefed up background check bill, which has done nothing to, you know, solve any, make us a less violent country or, you know, he hasn't done anything. You know, but Cornyn, but that tells you to the, the degree to which Cornyn will go to push the left-wing agenda. And all over the map, he is the guy working with the Democrats to block conservatives and to push the left-wing agenda. And he, But, you know, every time you put a camera on him, he's like, oh, shucks, I'm from Texas. Meanwhile, J.D. Vance, uh, I get mentioned on his way home from Israel, had that fundraiser Monday with Cornyn, raised about half a million dollars. And so... You know, I, I appreciate J.D. Vance calling out the Republican leadership and the hypocrisy of the Republican leadership. Uh, I don't necessarily appreciate him having a $500,000 fundraiser with the very people he's calling out. And he's supposed to be the change. Um, tough analysis for Vance here, because last time we spoke, and there have been articles written about this, too, He's lagging in fundraising. He's uh, not going out there, and he's not, uh, you know, having events. He's not talking to the people. He's just, you know, hoping for another great big check from Peter Thiel. He's not doing it. So now he is. He's going out there. He's at an event. He's talking to the people, but now it's with the wrong guy. Um, can he? Can he do anything right in this regard? No, I mean it's like you know, it's like the right thing to do is you put out your policies, and if people don't agree with you, Bob. Instead of changing your policies, which is sort of the way the Republicans react, is well, the people don't agree with us, so we'll just, we'll, you know, we'll just throw our ideals out the window. You convince people. You make the case. 
and you win or lose on your ideas. And that's what makes you a good person. It makes you the kind of senator we want. Uh, do we know, you know hey, hold on, Neil, do we know, hey, you know, at that fundraiser with Cornyn, did he say anything that indicated he agrees with Cornyn on red flags or on expanded backgrounds or this, that, or the other? Did he did he say anything that would indicate, hey, I'm just like him, or did he just take advantage of the opportunity to make money there? Well, I think that uh, he took the money, and so maybe maybe there are no strings attached, and maybe he got up there and he said, I hate all you people, and I think you're trying to destroy America. Uh, I wasn't there, so I don't know. Very, I can't prove. To I think you that, that matters, though. No, no, don't get me wrong, Neil. I, I, I think it matters, though. You know, if he's just, if there's another Republican who's willing to to appear at a fundraiser with him, and they make a bunch of money for a campaign to keep that seat away from Tim Ryan, as long as he didn't stand up there and say, "Yeah, I agree, we need to rein in the Second Amendment more. We need red flag laws. We need no due process for gun owners." And you know, unless he did those things that Cornyn is known for, um, that we know of, I think. You know, maybe we got to look at it and say, "Hey, he needs money. He needs to raise money for the thing." And, and if another another uh, Republican so maybe this is a case. Help him do that, then you do that. <clears throat> yeah, maybe but, maybe it's a case of Cornyn. Maybe Cornyn's had a conversion. Maybe Cornyn's saying, "You know what? Maybe I was wrong, and uh, we need guys like JD Vance." So maybe Corny gets a little credit for helping out a guy. Or or but, maybe it's uh, neither. I, maybe maybe neither one says I'm exactly aligned with everything the other guy does, but we're both Republicans and we want to take back the the, the Senate. So I'm, we're going to back, well, gonna back whatever needs to be backed in order to make sure that the Democrats no longer have control of that body. To go completely inside baseball, a lot of times what happens is a friend of Corny has a friend who's a fundraiser, and he makes 10 or 20% off of these deals. And he says, that he basically, he says, hey, if you show up, my friend can make a 10% off of whatever we raise. And basically, a lot of times they run these fundraisers just to help out their friends so that they can get a commission check. Now, that makes sense to me. That makes perfect sense. And, yeah, that is inside baseball. It's not something people want to hear about, but that's a very good point there as well. Now, one more thought on Vance, Neil. Uh, because We're talking to Neil McCabe, uh, national political uh, editor for uh, the Ohio Star. Um, excuse me, for the Star News Network and also for the Ohio Star. So, Neil... Um, Adam Kinzinger decided to take some shots. He, of course, uh, known as much for the ridiculous uh, clown show that is the January 6th committee as much as anything. But Adam Kinzinger uh, took some shots at J.D. Vance. Uh, and, and if I read the tweet right, did he did he accuse J.D. Vance of, of killing people, literally of killing civilians? Yeah, Ukrainian civilians. And basically, you know, it's so, you know, if I... I We've talked before. A, a lot of times, uh, I'm I'm so petty. I should paint 43 on the side of my car, Bob. Okay, and so I'm just saying, if Kinzinger hates JD Vance, then I want JD Vance in the sun. <laughs> the enemy of my enemy, right? <laughs> and, and he could take he could take a billion dollars from Cornet. And if Kinzinger doesn't like him, I'm okay. I'm okay with that, too. But just just so people know what we're talking about here, Adam Kinzinger uh, put out a tweet, uh, and I don't even know the context of Republican Jesus, but he was responding to David Weissman who tweeted, Republican Jesus sounds like an a-hole. And Adam Kinzinger responded, I can promise you real Jesus isn't obsessed with government owning the libs and Disney. More so, he would never support the indiscriminate murder of civilians like Putin does daily. And then there's a period after that, and it doesn't say and like, but it just shows, it tags in at Matt Gates and at J.D. Vance. 
And then he writes, he looks nothing like the crazies, according to the Bible. He likes people. So, I, you know, he, he didn't say that murders supports the, the indiscriminate murder of civilians like Putin and Gates and Vance, but for some reason they were tagged right there. So I guess people can read into that what they will. Well, I know for a fact, uh, I, I don't know if Jesus could get into Disney World, but I know Disney would never hire the guy. <laughs> I think that's fair to say, too. That that's that's fairly accurate. Last thing, Neil uh, McCabe. Uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about uh, the military. You have an article right now in the uh, Ohio Star uh, featuring a Tennessee, I think it is a Tennessee uh, um, guardsman uh, who was booted for not being vaccinated. Can you give us the background there? Yeah, Mickey Shelton is a captain in the uh, Tennessee Army National Guard, speaking in his personal capacity. But he's awaiting an adjudication of his request for a religious exemption from the vaccine mandate because when he found out that uh, the vaccines were developed and tested and produced uh, using tissue harvested from unborn children, and he just went like, I just can't be a part of this. He uh, he had a doctor sign off on a medical exemption, but uh, that exemption was denied. And he's basically talking about what's going on in Tennessee, but this thing is being replicated all over the place. And that's, you know, not only in Tennessee do you have like 500 straight refusals. These are guys who say, I don't want a medical, I don't want a religious exemption. I'm just not taking it and do whatever you want to me. So that's like 500 people out the door. And then you've got another 400 uh, recruits who either are in basic training or are waiting for basic training. And, you know, we have a middle of a recruiting crisis. And you have 400 Tennessee Army National Guard recruits basically saying, hey, we're not getting vaccinated either. We're straight refusals. And so, you know, you think about it, Bob, when these guys go to war, when these guys go on deployment together, right, let's say in five years from now and everybody, you know, with the rest of the country forgets about this whole COVID vaccine mandate, this is going to have lingering scars inside our military because of the way people were abused. Uh, when they bring, you know, they're going to obviously there's going to they're going to have to bring people back because, you know, everybody realizes now how screwed up this situation is. But it's, there's going to be a lot of lingering resentment. It's going to hurt the culture. You have people who are basically being told, hey, you know, they tell their boss, uh, hey, I want to put in an exemption. Leadership is saying, don't even bother turning in the exemption. It's going to be turned down. Don't be a jerk. Shelton's been told already, you know, Captain. You're never going to make major. And he's like, all right, well, that's the way it goes. And if these guys, and I haven't been able to ascertain if anybody's been given a dishonorable just for the fact, you're discharged with a dishonorable discharge. You can't work at the post office. You can't get your GI bills. You can't use the VA hospital. And you can't own guns. They take away your gun rights. That's part of, and, I, and obviously we want to we give sanctions to people with a dishonorable discharge. But if your dishonorable discharge is because you didn't want to take a vaccine and then they take away your guns and everything else, I, I think that that is like an escalation. Sheldon told me that that's being threatened with people unofficially. I have yet to figure, I, I, you know, I don't want to nail it down and say it's like fact happening, but that's what I'm working on now. And if they're threatening people with dishonorable discharge, that means they, have to lo- they lose their guns and everything else. 
Yeah, it is a, a remarkable attack on those who wish to do nothing but in an all-volunteer military serve and defend this country, and they're being put into this position where they are not allowed to have their own freedom of decision, uh, you know, to make a decision, rather, on how they protect themselves. From something that, by the way, one of the lead defenders of the vaccine mandate said... I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection, and I think we overplayed the vaccines. And yet they still are going to do this to our... Yeah. Our, we just uh, overplayed them. We over. We didn't lie. We didn't lie, Bob. We overplayed. Them. Well, no, I would say they lied too, because you heard many, <laughs> many, many times. It. You heard you many, many times them saying that if you get these shots, you will not be infected. And then she said, "I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection." And I knew they were not going to protect against infection. She knew it while they were saying <laughs> that it would, and uh, and yet here we sit, two years in. Uh, and, and two and a half years in, and they're still doing this yeah, to uh, she also federal She also sent emails to the transi- Biden transition team saying, listen, uh, I wouldn't mind sticking around. Yeah, exactly. And and you don't think that uh, she was going to say whatever needed to be said in order to be able to keep that, that gig? Uh, Neil McCabe, uh, terrific job as always, my friend. Thank you so very much uh, for the great work. We always appreciate your commentary. Thank you, Neil. All right, be good, Bob. Take care. Neil McCabe is the national political editor of the Star News Network and uh, covers the Ohio State House and Ohio events as well. Uh, Let's take a time out now for news. We'll come back. And uh, final segment coming up. If you want to get in, get in at 216-901-0945. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. You know, I don't always listen closely to these little rejoiners. I should because, boy, that's just accurate, isn't it? It is depravity. It is. It's just, it's, it's depravity. It's, um, I got to sit here and maybe crack open a thesaurus to find other words to, to describe that. But uh, the, the, the changes... And the de-evolution of our society that we have built, which is the greatest civilization in the history of humanity, what they are doing to it is depraved. They are destroying it with evil intentions. That is depravity. I think that's an accurate thing to say. I'll have to think of some other ways to describe it, but we're going to continue to battle against it every single day. And not just on the air, but hopefully off the air as well. Hopefully you're taking some of these things into account and sharing the information and changing minds around you as well. Uh, let's go to Chardon. Uh, I want to welcome John to the program on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, John. Go ahead, sir. Yo, Bob. Yo, John. I see <laughs> I see the 10 and 11 o'clock news, mm-hmm. and I count my blessings that I live in Chardon, Ohio, and Geauga County, which is a conservative part of the world. Um, I got to know the football coach uh, a few years back, and we have um, breakfast two, three times a year, and he brings me up to date. That's my window as to what's being taught in the school system. And none of this stuff, none of this woke stuff is being taught in the Chardon schools. And um, so, anyway. That is is a very, um, listen, I don't want to dismiss what you're saying here about the importance of that. 
you found somebody that you got to know, that you trust, that will give you the lowdown on what's going on in the schools. In your particular schools, thank heavens, literally, that they're not um, all engaged in this wokeness, that they're not all engaged in, in, in uh, CRT and in DIE and all of the others. Um, that's, that's fantastic to know because it, it, my follow-up question to you, John, would be, what if you found out that they were? What if you had a hook uh, into somebody? Not sound, make it sounds like you're using them. You had a friend, you have a relationship with somebody who's inside the school who's telling you, yeah, boy, it's bad. It's bad. This is what they're making us do. This is what they're making us sign. This is what they're making us say to the kids. This is what we're allowed, you know, we have to teach the kids and all of this sort of stuff. If it was kind of the repugnant decay of society that we see everywhere, what would you do, John? Well, I'd be going to the school board meetings and screaming bloody murder. Good you know? for you. And I'm assuming yeah. you still don't have kids in the schools. That is true. Yeah. See, yeah, that's that's so up. that's see, see this is this is what it this is what it takes, you know? A lot of people when they when they're it would be easy for me to say, you know, my daughter's a year away from being out of college. <clears throat> well, she's going to go to law school, but She's almost done with college. My son is in school. If I could just navigate his way through this thing, then I'm done. At least, true. I don't have to worry about the corrupt education system anymore. And it's indoctrination, and it's uh, you know, it's recruitment, and it's grooming, and all of this other stuff. It's easy to do that when your kids get out of school. But what's harder to do, and what's more important is to, to do, is to think about the next generation of kids, the kids coming up behind yeah. them, and their kids, your own kids' kids, and what they're going to face. And if you're not willing to do what you just said, John, which is go to the schools, <clears throat> go to the school board meetings, go to the teachers, and so on and so forth, and say, I don't have a kid in the school anymore, but I'm a member of this community, and I'm worried for the re- direction it's heading, uh, and I want to have a say here. As a taxpayer, a property taxpayer that funds those schools, for goodness sakes, right? Um, if yeah. you're not willing to do that, then you're not helping. You're, you're not helping. You're just griping. And the fact that right. you would do that is, is exactly what needs to be done. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Well, and all you got to do to shape your thinking is tune in to, well, listen to you, and then tune in to Tucker Carlson at 8 o'clock on weeknights. And uh, he'll, he he'll give you been, a few ideas about, he, about what's going on. He you know? has been on fire lately. Tucker Carlson right. is doing some phenomenal reporting, some incredible work, and really, really opening a lot of eyes. And I agree. And I just to be mentioned in that uh, same category, I, I really appreciate, John. John, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you again. <clears throat> right. There's uh, John and Chardon. Um, you know, he he made friends with the football coach there. I don't know how. Doesn't matter. <clears throat> but he said he's got a got a window. That's his window <clears throat> to see inside of the school district in Chardon. He said, fortunately, it's a more conservative minded area, and they're not uh, they're not a part of this. And I'm so very glad to hear that because there are so many that are. And the question is, is when you find out if they are <clears throat> that they are. What's your next move? What are you willing to do? You better be willing to go to the source of the problem, and you better be willing to be heard. And moreover, you better be willing to recruit other people to come with you. Talk to other people who care about their communities. Talk to other people who care about the future of the schools for their kids. Because the schools are in... If, if I had to rank what I am most concerned about in in this country and in this culture of division that we are in right now. The schools might be 1A and 1B with the federal government. The federal government doing what it is doing to this country by way of its inflation policies, its energy policies, its border policies, its foreign policies, the the, the dangers that we are in. 
obviously, you know, second to none. But I wouldn't even call schools in second place. I would call them 1B. There's 1A and there's 1B. They're both first place. Because the schools are going to turn out more of these people. More of these voters that elect these kinds of people that are going to end up destroying our culture in a depraved and, and, and quite frankly, an irreversible way. And that's what I want you to take away from this each and every day when we talk about these issues. Each and every day when I point out things that maybe you knew about, maybe you didn't, and now you do and you're willing to go and act on. But I want you to understand something. This isn't something that just, um, yeah, if we don't win this battle, we'll win the next one. This is a this is a last gasp. This is a last chance. This there's there's no tomorrow. To borrow a line from Rocky Three, there is no tomorrow. We don't come back if we lose this culture war. We don't come back if we lose this civilization and the bedrock upon which it was built. We don't come back from it. We have a one shot at this, and that's it. Thanks to my guest today. Thanks Let's to my crew. Go, Thanks man. to you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.